Hello and welcome to the conversation we're having on the Ten Jewels of the Yoga Sutras. As you might know, the Yoga Sutras is a compilation of a wisdom that was codified by Patanjali before the Christian era, and it has to do with the eight limbs of yoga, Ashtanga, which is Ashta means eight, and the eight limbs of yoga. And we're we're really covering the two limbs of yama and niyama, and there are five of each of those. We're on the fourth yama right now, and this is brahmacharya. Before we get started, I wanted to introduce myself to those of you who um, are just joining us. My name is Sarah McLean, and I live in Sedona, Arizona. I've been practicing meditation in various traditions for over 25 years. And I love the study and reflection on the Yoga Sutras. It always enlivens me, and I find it it really enhances my personal practice. The Yoga Sutras are um, really, for me, they really help me to recognize that yoga is much more than postures and positions. And in fact, it's a training of the mind, a training of the attention to move inward, to stay focused and to yoke to the source, the source of creativity, the source of creation itself. And so I know that, but I love to teach it because so often in the West, yoga is really limited in its scope or understanding as simply just asana. And we know it's so much more than that. I'm really excited to introduce you to someone who works with me at the Meditation Teacher Academy here in Sedona. He's a faculty member, and his name is Zach Oshaline. So I'd love to welcome you, Zach. Mm, thank you. Um, I'm Zach Oshaline, and I've lived in Sedona most of my life. Um, have been studying spirituality and training with yoga for 16 years now. And I also teach yoga. And I love what Sarah says about yoga being much more than just the asanas, the postures, and moving it into a place where it really can become your whole life. Um, how you approach any situation in your life can, um, you can use the yamas and the niyamas, the codes of conduct for ourselves, um, self-observances for ourselves to help and just giving us a guide into some of the decisions we might make. Um, also, um, I like how she introduced the other eight limbs just a little bit. We have the yamas and niyamas, just kind of how we think and how our mind is. We have asanas, which are the postures. Um, pranayama, which is about our breath and our energy in our body. Pratyahara, when the senses begin to withdraw, the looking inward towards ourself, which will lead to the meditation that's in yoga, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. So we have the focus comes into the body, one-pointed focus, focus. And then samadhi is um, a word maybe that describes enlightenment or oneness. So... It's nice that you introduced the eight limbs of yoga so that we might understand what that is. I think we were talking about in another conversation about how limbs, if you imagine limbs growing from a tree, they grow simultaneously and organically. And when we take the time to reflect on our practice and the way in which we live from that interior, we start to develop these qualities or these yamas in this case uh, simultaneously and organically. Um, I love to look at these uh, yamas and niyamas as a point in our practice, a point of reflection. 
when I lived at the Zen Buddhist monastery, every month we would have a day of reflection where we would reflect on qualities of the compassionate ones and bodhisattvas and jizos. But here we are now reflecting on these qualities of personal conduct and self-observance and looking for ways in which to enliven them, all with a kindness towards ourselves, all with nonviolence towards ourselves, and all with not trying to impose a certain commandment to be uh, able to call ourselves spiritual. You know, I like to say these, the spiritual path is not for sissies. It, it requires a steadfastness and valor and courage, and it requires the ability to stay on it because sometimes we meet ourselves and we don't necessarily, um, aren't proud of what we see. So for me, I'm, I'm always willing to share that part of myself, but I'm always willing to support other people when they feel like it's just too much. You know, it's when we get on the spiritual path, we don't have to pretend everything is all good in order to be spiritual. In fact, how about being with what actually is? So let's let's talk about brahmacharya. Yeah, so brahmacharya is, um, there's a few different translations. Um, the first that they teach is the um, um, holding in of the sexual energy. So abstinence is a part of um, the lifestyle of a monk or uh, a sadhu or sadhaka, the people of that study yoga. Um, it's important for us not to get caught up into this idea too much as most of us are householders where we live in this world and sexual relations is something that is a part of our lives. So we don't want to make it a bad thing so we feel guilty about it. But the idea is to look at where we spend our energies, not only with the sexual energy, but also where we spend our energies with other senses. Um, with maybe watching too much TV or indulgence in food that eventually makes us tired and working on just the gentle restraint of the senses. Um, another, an important idea though is that we don't feel guilty about the things that we do, that we gently, through ahimsa, nonviolence, become aware of what we do and how it affects our energy in our life. Yeah, I find that you know, since I've been practicing meditation, I am much more aware of the subtleties of um, energy that is flowing through my body, whether it's waking up with a lot of energy or feeling kind of drained and like there's a discharge of energy. And I notice that after, after you know, certain activities or spending time at certain with certain people or going to certain places, I'm either recharged or discharged with this energy. It's either I have more vitality or less vitality. And, you know, there's a, a word in this world of meditation called Kundalini and Kundalini Shakti to be specific. And it's this life force energy that um, moves through the body in an intelligent way to um, bring intelligence through these various energy centers, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But what I, what I love about it is it's intelligent, it moves through us, but we can inhibit its free flow by um, not speaking the truth, by not feeling safe, by being um, violent to ourselves. There are ways in which these yamas can really uh, help us to enliven uh, the kundalini or life force energy in the body. But thinking about it in relation to your own life, you know, there are certainly those times when 
you and we, you know, it can be just so innocuous spending um, 10 minutes talking to someone in the parking lot of a grocery store or spending 15 minutes gossiping about someone at work. And then how do you feel when you leave that situation? Do you feel like you need to take a shower <laughs> or that you feel drained and really un, uh, sort of uninspired? Un, uh, or do you feel expanded and engaged and, and really vital? Mm-hmm. And that feeling, those feelings, um, looking towards those feelings to guide us through our life is the practice of brahmacharya. So, um, yeah, just what you were saying about you can feel contractive after, after certain activities that you do. Um, uninspired, and if you some activities that you do, you feel almost expansive um, and enthusiastic. So these are some guidelines to give you clues into what you do in life and how it makes you feel. Um, important that it's about how you feel and being honest with yourself. We do have guidelines in our society and rules, but you know looking to ourselves to answer and make those rules for ourselves in the moment, knowing that sometimes those change, um, is where we want to start to look. We want to be making our own decisions with the guidance of the people that come before us and the teachers. When I look at the word brahmacharya, you know, it talks about um, taking control or, or, or refining your, what would you say, continence. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, just really not being hedonistic, but you know, how does, how do we determine what's pleasurable and what's not pleasurable? It's always, usually through the senses, you know, it tastes good, it smells good, it feels good, it looks good, it's, you know, it sounds good, or what is the other one? It smells good. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just being human, we start to crave more of what we like. But you know what it's like, well, at least I know what it's like to uh, open a box of chocolates, have one, and then have way too many after that one. Suddenly what feels good feel, makes me feel sick. And I know we do that, whether it's with activities we do or food we eat or what we engage in, whether it's watching too much television or drinking too much good wine or um, really indulging. And if there's nothing wrong in, morally about that, but does that enhance your ability to stay present? Does that enhance your ability to make more nourishing choices? So the more stress we have on our nervous system, the more contracted we feel energetically, the less we are able to make uh, really nourishing choices, mm-hmm. moment by moment by moment. And I love what you said about it can be different in this moment versus ne- the next moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and. In the book, The Yamas and Niyamas, Exploring Yoga's Ethical Practices by Deborah Abel, she has this really nice saying about um, brahmacharya reminds us to enter each day and each action with a sense of holiness rather than indulgence. So the first bite of chocolate, it can be a holy experience. It can bring you closer to your divine self. And then after the whole box of chocolates is done, we get the mm, what might be the other side of our divinity. <laughs> <laughs> and remember that it's all just a, you know, a learning experience because that other side is just teaching us that maybe we do want to move more in that direction. Into moderation for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, moderation in everything. I mean, I know people who they think, well, one is good, but 40 is better. And whether it has to do with the food they buy, the alcohol they drink, uh, the shows they watch. I mean, 
the books they collect. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly, I definitely could use a little restraint when it comes to that sensory input. But um, in general, you know, meditation will help us to refine the yums and the yucks. And I'm not just talking about yummy for the moment, but yummy in terms of our um, ability to maintain our life force. And, you know, I love what you said about treating everything as divine. And if you've ever spent a little time with any gurus or any saints, they quite often look at everything as an expression of God or an expression of the divine. I lived in India with a, a woman named Mata Amritananda Mai. She's an Indian saint. People call her the hugging saint or Ama. And when she sits to do a ceremony, she starts to hold up her um, her chalice or her ghee lamp or her books, and she puts it to her forehead in this true reverent um, namaste, like that consciousness that's within that book or within the, the bowl of sacred water or ash, whatever that consciousness is, she bows down to it. And when we engage in that relationship, well, let's start with just engage into it mindfully, whether it's with a person, place, thing, or environment, engage with it mindfully, and maybe even cultivating that reverence for life. And I think that is probably what Brahmacharya is talking about, especially mm -hmm. for householders. Yeah, and that gives us our energy. Um, you were talking about the courage to continue on with your practice, the courage to um, come to the um, situations in your life with awareness. We need that strength, that courage, and that valor, and that's what brahmacharya is offering us, is a way to have knowledge, vigor, valor for moving into our lives. You were reading um, to me something earlier about what Brahmacharya brings to us. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, in Iyengar's book, um, Light on Pranaya or Light on the uh, Yoga Sutras, um, he says about this sutra: When one is firmly established in continence, knowledge, valor, vigor, and energy flow to him. The, I feel like it's a res personal responsibility, especially for a spiritual aspirant to to create this brahmacharya because the more we can save our vital force energy or focus it onto what we know we're here to do, um, I think that's, we move into our dharma or our duty in life. And what I mean by that is I feel that life and love and this energy force is living through you as it's living through everything else as you and when we remove all the obstacles to its full expression, your full expression, then you can live a life of love in action and live a life where you are getting more energized by the choices you make versus depleted by the choice or by the choices you make that are just initially for the pleasure. Mm -hmm. And that the word brahmacharya Brahman can be translated as the divine or the God self, and Charya is maybe a path or a way to. And through the practice of um, restraining your senses, we shed light on our true path. And sometimes also in Sanskrit, they call that the Swadharma. Swa is one's own, and Dharma is path. Right. So finding that day to day is very important for us to feel purposeful. Well, what do you say we meditate, shall we? Mm -hmm. Okay. Sounds good.
Meditation always recharges us, just like sleep, actually. Sleep is really um, the way that we recharge some of the layers of, of our existence. And meditation is a way of reconnecting with the source of our energy, of our vitality, of our swadharma. And um, so let's begin by sitting comfortably. Now we're on our fourth sutra, and, and we know that the first one is ahimsa, which is nonviolence. And let's just keep that in mind when we move into this meditation. With your eyes closed and your body comfortable, we'll move into meditation by giving ourselves some deeper breaths. Breathing in slowly and deeply, and then letting the breath out naturally. Ideally, breathing through your nose if that's possible. and then letting your breath return to its natural rhythm and depth. Today's meditation practice is going to be a practice of enlivening various energy centers in the body, known as chakras or translated as wheels. These are energy centers where energy is collected and moved and dispersed, and each chakra there are seven or more, depending on who you ask. Each chakra has certain governing properties, and they're affecting certain areas of your life. Today, we're going to have you imagine, feel, or see in your mind's eye these various energy centers. I see them inside as stars. You might choose to see them as shapes or colors or wheels themselves that are spinning freely. When we bring our attention to anything with the intention of purifying or healing, we do create an effect. So let's begin by relaxing the body completely as you're sitting still or relatively still in an upright position with your eyes closed. Scan your body for various areas of holding or for ways in which you can adjust your posture so you can feel just a little bit more comfortable and present. Relax your face. Relax your belly and relax your pelvis. See if you can sense that life force energy or that kundalini energy that's flowing through your body, that aliveness that you might sense in terms of tingling or pulsing or warmth. 
this kundalini energy, kundalini shakti, is very intelligent and will move to heal, to enliven, to recreate wholeness throughout your whole body. Settle into this moment and relax your hips into the cushion or chair or floor. We'll begin with the first chakra, the Muladhara chakra. It's related to your sense of belonging and safety. The color is red. And it's said to be at the base of your spine. Some people say it, it is located at the perineum. Bring your attention to that area and either imagine, see, or feel a bright red star. And as you breathe in, allow your breath to reach this star and enliven its radiance. This chakra is related to your adrenal glands, the glands that are activated in the fight-or-flight response. So it's very important to bring about a sense of safety and belonging We'll begin with an affirmation you can say to yourself silently. I am safe. I am safe. And there's a sound, a bija, which means seed, a bija mantra that enlivens and purifies this chakra. bringing your attention now up just below your belly button to the sacral chakra. How do you say Svadhisthana? Svadhisthana. Svadhisthana chakra. It means sweetness. And this is the chakra that is related to the creativity center, the gonads, the ovaries, the testes. The color of this chakra is bright orange. As you breathe in, you can imagine a bright orange star that radiates all through you, emanating from the sacral chakra. 
This is the area related to creativity, to nourishment. This is one of the areas of brahmacharya. As you breathe in, imagine this orange star getting brighter and brighter as the life energy is moving through you. And you can accompany that with the affirmation, I am creative. I am creative. The Bija mantra for this chakra is Vam. And you can think, say, or hear and listen to the sound that we chant. Vam. Allowing your attention now to reach up to your solar plexus, to the navel chakra. The endocrine gland associated with this is your pancreas. This third chakra is the color yellow, and it has fire as its element. And it is responsible for your vitality, your will, and your personal power and confidence. As you breathe into this chakra, imagine this bright yellow star as it radiates from inside you. Gets brighter and brighter with your attention. The affirmation for this chakra is, I am powerful. I am powerful. And the power we're talking about here is your personal power. The Bija mantra for this chakra is Ram. You can think it, hear it, or say it along with us.
Letting your awareness move up to the heart center, the Anahata Chakra, in the center of your chest, behind your breastbone. It's a bright emerald green star that radiates from the center of you. The endocrine gland it's associated with is the thymus. This chakra regulates the balance of giving and receiving, of what is nourishing and what is not. It's about finding the middle way and compassion for yourself and for everyone. Breathing in, imagining this star gets more and more radiant. The affirmation for this chakra, the Anahata chakra, is I am love. I am love. The Bija mantra for this chakra is Yam. You can think it, see it, imagine it, feel it, or say it along with us. Allowing your attention now to move up to the base of your throat, to the Vishuddha Chakra, which means purification. This throat chakra is related to the thyroid and parathyroid. The color is bright blue. Imagine this bright blue star radiating from the center of you. Some people call it sky blue. It radiates from your throat all around you. This is the center of communication. This is the center of expressing your truth, your integrity, and your creativity. Breathing in and seeing that bright blue radiance.
The affirmation for this chakra is I am honest. I am honest. The Bija mantra for this chakra is Ham. Allowing your attention now to move up to the brow chakra. Some people call it the third eye, the Ajna chakra, which means perception. Imagine this, this indigo blue that's emanating, this star emanating from the center of your head. It lights up everything internally for you related to the pituitary gland. As you breathe in, imagine the star getting more and more radiant. As you recognize that there is this inner light, this inner wisdom, this clarity and this ability to focus that's within you. The affirmation for the Ajna Chakra is, I am wise. I am wise. The mantra for the Bija mantra for this chakra is Om. Allowing your attention now to move to the top of your head, to the crown chakra, 
I think of it as a halo. Whether it's a golden light or pink or clear, bright white light, imagine there's this radiance emanating from the top of your head. It's related to the pineal gland, the Sahasrara chakra, which means infinite. Every element of every chakra we have already explored is right here. This is the chakra of consciousness, of connection, of the eternal and the infinite. It's the chakra of being in this world, but not of it. Breathing into this chakra, imagining this radiance. The affirmation for this chakra is, I am, I am. And the sound related to this chakra is all sounds or the sound of silence from which sound arises. Keeping your eyes closed just for another minute or so. Taking your time moving out of meditation. Into the waking state.
giving yourself some deeper breaths and stretching into the space around you. And when you're ready to open your eyes, do so with a downward gaze. And when you're ready to engage with the rest of us and the world outside of you, open your eyes mindfully. Mm, thank you very much. Thank you. That was yummy. Yum. That was a yum. That was a yum. So what are your suggestions for ways in which we can... Three easy ways to maintain this brahmacharya as a point of reflection. Well, one way is just to become aware of how you use your energy. Um, maybe notice something in your life that leaves you feeling um, um, without vitality. And then gently, you know, without guilt, um, pick another activity that would replace that to make you feel vital. So some of the things, or some of the, the things that we do in our lives is um, sometimes we overindulge in food or TV, electronics. Those things can leave us feeling a little bit drained. So we might take a little bit of time that we would use for those and maybe gardening or meditation, yoga, walking. Being in nature itself can be just a grand practice for revitalization. Absolutely. They remind us who we really are, that, that nature, um, the trees, the plants, the birds the wind, the sun, it reminds us of our presence and being really satisfied with what is already here instead of that constant craving. So I'd say, you know, it's important in the morning when you wake up to even begin with a thank you. You know, this is enough. This is enough. And just letting what is already here be enough to satisfy your senses not having more just because it's there, really restraining that impulse just to continue to indulge, really exploring that craving and what we do to satisfy it. Also, of course, meditation. Figuring out, you know, I was recognizing when we were doing this, this chakra practice that when we don't feel safe, we crave certain things. When we don't feel nourished, we crave certain things. Every chakra, when we don't feel powerful, we crave something else. When we don't feel um, nourished or loving, we crave that. When we don't speak our truth, we crave that. So this is, you know, not having the energy and, and the behaviors that um, open up these chakras be a regular part of our lives. We can really uh, diminish our vitality. So really becoming aware of speaking the truth, feeling connected, trusting ourselves, um, knowing when it's important, knowing when to give and receive and to be compassionate and, you know, to walk in the world as if we belong, because we do. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Yeah, I think that will stop the craving, as at least it does for me. So thank you for joining us today. Hopefully you'll join us for the next conversation on the jewels of the Yoga Sutras.